Welcome to the Chosen Brew Beer Podcast. My name's Ian McNally, and this is the podcast where guests talk the way through the six beers that changed everything. This is such a fun episode with Melanie Mitchell from Cans Before Mans. If you're not sure what that is, don't worry, the links are in the show notes. You don't need to know. It's a great episode, and about midway through the episode, we get into some really insightful stuff which was really enjoyable to talk with Melanie about. I look forward to sitting and having a beer with Melanie in real life, but all the way from Newcastle, New South Wales, it's Cans Before Mans. Let's get into it. Well, welcome Melanie Mitchell to, I was going to say have a beer guest a year. It's a show I've been doing, which we seldom have guests. (laughs) It's a YouTube stream I've been doing on Thursday nights. It, this is not have a beer guest a year. That would definitely put the cat amongst the pigeons if I started throwing facts at you from 1963. <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> no. Welcome onto the Chosen Brew. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. You are in Newcastle, New South Wales, as we speak. Now, that's mm-hmm. had a few quite interesting yep. beer additions uh, over the time. One of the most loved brewers in the country brews out of Foghorn, Sean. And it was one of the places that Brewdog turned their nose up at and ended up in Brisbane. That was one of the sites that oh, Brewdog really? was going to choose uh, for their... Oh, no way. Their, they would have made a killing here. Yeah, for their supposed mega brewery, which was then downscaled a bit. But um, yeah, it turns out Queensland yeah, had right. a bit more money for them uh, in their government. So, um, uh, well. <laughs> But it is a vibrant beer scene in Newcastle. But first off, Cans Before Mans. Tell us about what Cans Before Mans is. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it's a really stupid name for anything really, but, um, my, uh, trade, I guess is tattooing. So I, um, I just painted a little flash sheet of all beer related designs and I was, you know, making designs and, um, I I wanted to do like a pinup girl holding a beer can. And I was like, what can I put like in this banner that I've drawn? And I was just like, cans before man's kind of like the, you know, the bros before hoes or like uteruses before deuteruses thing. And I was like, nah, <laughs> that'll do. I couldn't think of anything else. And then I sat on it for a while and I was like, oh, I could have said ales before males. But I don't think it has the same ring to it. <laughs> that, could be, that could be a spin-off. <laughs> could be, yeah. Maybe I could have a little protege or something. <laughs> but um, yeah, a lot of people saw that and they were like, are you talking about boobs? I'm like, no, no, I'm not. <laughs> Of course, yeah, it didn't even occur to me. <laughs> Still applies. I think people assume that because I am a queer woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cans Before Mans, that couldn't have existed maybe about five years ago when tinnies weren't as popular as they are now. <laughs> like you go into a bottle shop and you... No, you, they really weren't. Yeah, you find it hard to buy something in a glass bottle now. Uh, so Cans Before Mans is yeah. catching the zeitgeist perfectly. I think, yeah, it's good timing, definitely. But tell us about this crossover here because you're a tattoo artist and I presume Mm -hmm. just an artist (laughs) as well that kind of follows doesn't it before people trust you to do it on their skin permanently yeah definitely you do have to 
be good at art. <laughs> so where did the crossover become in terms of, uh, obviously, you developed an interest, without giving any of beers away, uh, you developed an interest in, in interesting beers. And then how how did that match with the tattoo artist side? Um, I guess because I, um, I tattoo and I sit with people for a long time, I get to talk about things that I really like a lot. And I started talking about craft beer a lot more with my clients and it just kind of grew like really organically. Like we would talk about beers and then I would suggest beers to them. And then I was drawing more stuff to do with beers because I usually draw what I'm a little bit obsessed with. So I just, yeah, I just started drinking more beer, talking about beer, drawing beer designs, doing shirts. It just all kind of happened. I tend to get hyper-focused on something. So it kind of consumes every aspect of my life, which is what um, craft beer has done now. But it all works together really well. So great. And I'm speaking as somebody who has no tattoos and has never even (laughs) set foot into a tattoo parlor, to my shame. Um, If I'm in Newcastle, I will definitely come along. But um, maybe not to get a tattoo, but definitely to drink a beer. Maybe maybe to be persuaded to have a tattoo after a couple of beers. But I think enough enough beers and we could, yeah. <laughs> but how does it work in terms of when you're talking to somebody? Is there a crossover, do you think, between uh, sorts of subcultures that are interested in, uh, you know, various art and tattoos and a ver- various... Um, different music and scenes who are also interested in craft beer yeah definitely for sure I mean I am in a position now where I'm able to pick who I tattoo so I definitely pick people who align with what I do and I think the style that I do leads into a certain subculture it is with their consent isn't it that you pick them you you don't just pick them out in the street and say come on you've got to have a tattoo now you look like you like the same things as me um no (laughs) people approach me (laughs) that's great and tends to be the case that their kind of values align and their outlook and their interest in that type of thing as well because presumably that's what type of art you are doing as well you know that's why they're approaching you yeah for sure I mean um I don't think people come to me just out of the blue I think um yeah I have a very um I have a very kind of like specific style and experience and I think the experience is sometimes like what is the major draw factor with me because I mean you know there's a lot of tattooers around doing a lot of different things but I'm quite lucky that um a lot of people like gel with me really well and they happen to you know obviously they're into the same things as me so it's really really easy going to work and hanging out with these people yeah that's really cool and um I'm just going to ask this from purely my own benefit as somebody who hasn't been in tattoo parlor <laughs> sure but do you maybe this shouldn't be for the podcast but just could be afterwards but anyway um <laughs> Do you do your clients? Do they uh, do they fill out that the form that says like you know do you want to talk at all? Do you want to talk moderate or do you want to talk a lot? Or is that something you're particularly skilled at gauging and judging? Oh, I can definitely tell for sure. Some people are super unresponsive. Um, 
some people just want to sit there and get the tattoo and go. There are some people like now I'm quite lucky that I am selective with my clients, but I've definitely tattooed people who have sat down and not said a word to me or uh, people who have just like talked at me for like the entire time, people who have cried at me, like there's, you know, you just, you just gauge what's happening. And a lot of the time I think I just kind of let them do what makes them comfortable because ultimately it's their experience, not mine. And how is that for you in terms of, do you find that if you're really concentrating that you just find yourself, you just stop talking or are you able to, to do both? Let's say, are you able to talk and to draw? I can do both oh, now. <laughs> Show off. Yeah, I can, I can talk and draw at the same time. <laughs> You're right. A lot of the time I talk so much that like, I'm like, I choke on my spit halfway through and I'm like, oh, well, we have to stop now for a minute. <laughs> Well, look, it this is great for me because it's it is a different uh different world and different um experience that I certainly haven't been a part of. Um I'm sure many listeners I know is Dan Schofield who was previous guest on The Chosen Brew. I know Dan. Uh how do you know Dan? Um through music. Yeah, Dan's a big musician and he's uh, working at Holgate uh, Brewery at the time, he did create his own um, brand, True Love Brewing, and uh, it was a great episode actually, which we recorded in Bar Josephine in Footscray. And oh, nice! And Dan also has some excellent tattoos. Have you been responsible for any of those? You know, I did probably my third tattoo ever on Dan when he lived in Newcastle. Wow. He has some of my very first not-so-great apprentice tattoos on him. (laughs) I hope he doesn't think they're not-so-great, though. I probably shouldn't say that. Look, I haven't explored them all, you know, because of common decency, but um, (laughs) I I was pretty impressed with whatever work I could see. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah. um, Yeah, it was a long time ago, and I'm, like, super grateful for people like Dan letting me have a go on them and learn which is really cool. But yeah, he used to live in Newcastle. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and a great guest on on, mm-hmm. the, on the Chosen Brew as well. Uh, go back if you haven't listened to that episode. But here we are, Cans Before Mans. We've got it. I'm, I'm referring to that now. Not um, That's you now, not not a brand. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I'm okay with it's that. Like, it's like Luke from Ale of a Time. It's just become Ale of a Time. Or James from Crafty Pint has just become crafty. It's just... just to, yeah, I, I will never become chosen, which is a relief. So, it's, that's. It. <laughs> I mean that. Yeah, it probably doesn't sound. It will never fly. So, no. um, let's. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I won't get that tattooed. <laughs> the chosen one. Um, let's start off on this beer journey. Yes. I'm very intrigued. Choice mm-hmm. one. I am not heaps proud of this one um and it was a long time ago but I remember growing up um around a lot of people who drank a lot of terrible beer when I was a kid and I always remember having not so great experiences and smelling beer on their breath and being like I will never drink beer I don't like it um but uh I was like a punk rock kid and there's a band called the distillers and I had the biggest crush on the singer from the distillers like when I saw her that was a moment I was like I think I might be gay um and (laughs) I went to see them play a show 
and uh, Brody from the distillers was like drinking Corona on stage. And I was like, fuck, I want to be that cool. Um, also, sorry if I swear a lot. It's just something that happens naturally. Do you want me to not swear? Absolutely not. You know, this they're all age restricted, these episodes. Okay, and if you're under 18 <laughs> yeah, years old, good. perhaps a, an alcohol podcast is not for you. So <laughs> swear People away. Under 18 probably swear more than me. <laughs> um, yes, absolutely. Okay, <laughs> good. Um, yeah, so I went to see the distillers play and I was like, oh, that girl, she's so hot and she's drinking Corona. Maybe I'll try and drink Corona and I might look that cool. And um, I think I saw them play and I had a birthday party the next day and I was like, I'm going to go buy some Coronas. And I did it and I actually quite liked them because it was my first beer experience really. Like if I drank them now, I'd be like, this is just water. Um, Yeah, so Corona is my first choice because it was the beer that got me into beer, I guess, kind of like changed my perception of that because I wanted to look cool. Corona has been on the podcast before as uh, I think Steve from Tallboy and Moose oh, yeah? uh, was it was his first beer experience. Oh really? I think because you know a lot of people when you try those mainstream beers they're not nice <laughs> so there's like some sort of like they're horrible not. chemical taste to no. them. The the froth smells uh, it, yeah. it tastes like old coins mm. in your mouth it's it's really and so to have an, a yeah. corona i reckon a massive amount of people you know i know in australia corona was a hugely premium brand uh, it was like i believe even really like back yeah. in the day it was like 70 or 80 dollars a slab when vb or, or Carlton was like yeah. 30 25 know, right? 30 dollars it's extraordinary yeah for sure i remember when i um when i did my tattoo apprenticeship the person teaching me only drank coronas and when it was like 60 bucks a case it would be like oh we're gonna go get as many as we can but now it's yeah now it's at aldi <laughs> yes it's gone <laughs> it's a bit like the iphone isn't it it's like now that your parents own one it's not cool or facebook it's like yeah. it's kind of gone through that evolution <laughs> sure. of like oh now my auntie drinks corona and it's not cool but that i'll try something else yeah but that story of seeing corona i reckon corona did uh did really well with marketing because it was really cool wasn't it Mm, it was yeah this was um I'm 33 now and I think I had my first corona at maybe like 16 because I had a fake id um so yeah like back how that's a long time ago that was before I even knew what craft beer was so at the time, I thought I was really cool, and I was like, "This is going down quite well." I think it, though there wasn't a huge amount of craft beer around at the time, anyway. So no, not back to then. To have something a bit different, I mean, it is, it is kind of a uh, a signal that people, you know, there's some people who just like to stay on the same train track, and there's other people who like to mm-hmm. explore different avenues and cultures and different things. I mean obviously you were doing it for nefarious means because you were trying to be like the uh, <laughs> singer in the band. I know. I was very <laughs> Just... young. I was very young. <laughs> but yeah, it's a it's a very it was a very cool brand Corona, but um Yeah. I, I still drink it when I'm in Mexico. It's it's you know, you you can get it a long neck of Corona for a dollar there and I'm in Mexico, so I embrace it. It doesn't taste good, but I'll do it anyway. Yeah, and I think they're, they're owned by, I 
think Constellation brands who are they're like a multi-billion dollar operation, but they're still class themselves as family owned and independent. So they, <laughs> they are just a, a, they're just distribution. So they buy they bought Ballast Point and then sold it uh, for a huge loss. But they basically don't really tinker with breweries, but they just say, oh, what do you need mm. to grow distribution? So it's a, quite an interesting model, but also yeah, I, right. do, I don't know whether you can still, be, you know, can you be in a rich list and still be truly independent? <laughs> I don't know where the cutoff point is. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the distillers still, do they still go? Are they still existing? Uh, they had a big break for a while and the singer had a couple of other bands and some solo stuff, but they're touring again. Or they, Yeah, I think they, they made a couple of songs last year and they started touring and then COVID hit and I don't think anything's happening now, but hopefully when COVID's over, I can see them again and not drink shitty beer there. Well, I might put a link to the distillers in the show notes uh, as well as for the Cans Before Man's website as well uh, and your Instagram, <laughs> Thanks, uh, which is very entertaining. Awesome. Um, choice two. Choice two is Kaiju Crush. The crush, like the can design. Oh, it's so good. Their branding is amazing. I think um, sometimes I just pick beers because of the art on the can like being an artist like I really appreciate when someone puts a lot of effort into their branding and the art on the can um I first had that um on tap when I there's a place in uh Newcastle called Dull Boys and it's like a it's like a bowling alley and an arcade and there's a cocktail bar and like mini golf and whatever um I my best mate Vaughn um, and I would go climbing, like indoor rock climbing at a place across the road from this venue. And um, it was when Vaughn and I had first started becoming friends. So we would do that. And then we would go and have a beer afterwards and Kaiju Crush was on tap and they had a really good, um, they had really good branding. So I was like, I will try that. Um, And it is delicious. Uh, I think like, that whole like tropical flavor has like really like it really jumped out at me. Um, I had been drinking some craft beers before that, like definitely um, tried like a bunch of different things. But I think like that was like the first beer I had where I was like, this is like one of those beers I could like drink all summer long. Um, it's just, yeah, I love fruity flavors and it's just it goes down so smoothly. And also it will always remind me of like building a friendship with Vaughn which is like one of the best friendships I've had. So I think it's it's more sentimental. Like there, there's a ton of tropical pale ales out there now, but I think that one will always be like special. I think it's really interesting as well that they've managed Kaiju, they brew their beers in Dandenong South, which isn't the most tropical place, shall we say. But it's kind of a perfect beer for a place like Newcastle. Yeah, it's getting really warm here now, so I'm definitely leaning towards more tropical, easy to drink, long sunny sessions kind of beers now. Yeah, and I think the alcohol percentage is pretty approachable. I think it's just over 4%, things like 4.4, yeah. 4.5%, which makes it yeah, more, that's totally more palatable for a, a long afternoon. Uh-huh. But um Yeah. Yeah, and also you probably appreciate that they also do beach towels and full shorts and and uh, shirts oh my god, their their merch is so good. I love it. I'm like, 
I just brought my first house ever. So I'm like, stop spending money. But I really want to buy everything they have. I'm all about the matching um, outfits as well. And they just have like that kind of like Hawaiian shirt and matching shorts that they release. And I'm like, oh, God, show some restraint. I have no restraint. I'm probably going to get it. (laughs) I I, I just won't eat for a week. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of want them just as pajamas, but I'm afraid they're so bright I won't go to sleep. (laughs) Uh, i would i'll wear them out all the time (laughs) yeah well i would wear them around south dandenong but you know (laughs) so um choice three choice three is the southwest sour by colonial i think uh yeah that was my first real introduction to sours and it was also on tap at doll boys um so after a few kaijus, I was like, I'll try something different. And I had the Southwest Sour and it was just so refreshing. Um, I think because it doesn't necessarily taste too much like beer. I think um, you could quite easily give a non-beer drinker that and they would be like, yep, yeah, I'm into it. It's, yeah, it's so easy to drink. Like it's just got that right amount of tang, which I think is awesome. Yeah, slight saltiness, a it doesn't yeah. lean too much to that beery side, but doesn't lean too much to the sour no, side. It's, it's not... like quite a delicate. It's yeah. it's perfectly balanced. I've had quite a few sours lately that are like way too sour. Um, I don't know. Have you tried the Sunny Boy Sour um, from Hope's yes. Brewery? <laughs> oh, yeah. I drank that and my left eye shut for a good few minutes. I was just like, oh, wow. <laughs> Couldn't open my eye. It, it was so sour. <laughs> I think it's like 9% or something as well. And It is, I, yeah. I didn't grow up eating Sunny Boys. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely so a very I, Australian was, thing. Yeah, it was kind of a bit lost. I, I gave some to my wife and she tried it and she did a similar reaction. But she was like, yeah, uh, it yeah, is a Sunny Boy. It's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I had Sunny Boys when I was a kid. You can't get them anymore, I don't think. But I don't remember Sunny Boys being sour at all. And all, I mean, yeah, it's it's a strong sour. I didn't get any flavor because I was just like, whoa, I'm so puckered right now. Yeah, and, and you're right. As those the Southwest Sour for Colonial, which I'm. I'm sat about one and a half kilometers away from their brewery right now. It's oh, in lovely. Port Melbourne. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's such, and I think also the the fact that they have those rip off cans with the lid that comes right off. They don't anymore. But they're gone now. Yeah, they're gone. I'm. I was so sad when they changed the cans. I mean, I think there was like probably a good reason for it. Yeah, I think um, Ben spoke as well. Happened. Yeah. Um, but I think mm-hmm. it's a problem with the manufacturer in the US. I think they might have. Yeah, that's what I heard. So, but yeah, yeah. Look, it, I used to like it, you know, because sometimes you open a can and it's over carbonated, the, the, you know, because you mm. haven't poured it out into the glass. But with yeah. the Colonial or Ben Spoke, you could open two cans, drink half of one, and then pour. <laughs> And then yeah, do like a yeah. juggling act between the two, like if you were, you know, out and about and you didn't have a glass. That was um, that was very uh, very thoughtful. Um, you also just get like a lot more of the smell of the beer before you drink it as well when you've got that open open lid, and you can get them down so fast with those lids or with the lack of lid, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 
which sometimes is important <laughs> it's kind of nice to be able to see into the beer sometimes you know just get an idea of what yeah, kind of yeah. color it is or like whether it's yeah. got a head on or whatever it is i don't know it's mm-hmm. like i'll be for see-through cans if if it was possible but um yeah i guess that kind of negates the purpose of cans though <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe when you tear the lid but nothing's environmentally friendly mm. and i kind of feel there's got to be a breakthrough at some point of a different technology because cans have been around for so long and maybe there isn't an alternative maybe cans are the best way to hold a pressurized liquid well but i feel like they are the freshest way to drink beer and i also my second job uh, is working in an aluminium smelter and it is definitely the most environmentally friendly way to uh, have any beverage really like you can recycle that stuff forever Wow, well, I live very close to an aluminium smelting plant as well. <laughs> like, I've got, I've got everything. I've got everything here. I know. Um, well, that's, so, that's Melbourne for you. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. So it is a good material to use. Are we on board with that better than glass? Uh, it, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's easier to recycle than glasses. That's just what I've been told um, from my employers. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah. You, I think they just like to say it's more sustainable <laughs> so we don't all feel guilty about working there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're working for the the other, uh, the inside view on uh, is aluminium good? Yeah. I'll go and ask the people who smelt it. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so tell us about uh, Cans Before Mans, how it came about as an idea anybody who i'll actually put the link to your video uh that you put in uh, explaining what cans before man's it was all about and why you set it up but can you give us a brief brief kind Mm -hmm. of reason why you know you've yeah you're you're sorted with um you're all sorted out with your tattoo artist thing you don't need to do this to branch out um but clearly passion is i probably don't have enough time for it (laughs) um yeah i yeah i don't need any more projects but i have started one anyway um so i guess when i decided to make cans before man's a thing i was doing some beer reviews um just for the sake of it um i am quite a shy introverted person and i decided that I would like to um, kind of push myself and branch out a little bit. So I started doing some video beer reviews and people were quite receptive and I was like, this is kind of cool and it's helping me be a little more confident. Um, And as I did a few more of them, more and more people got in contact with me, um, especially women. And I was like, maybe I should try and make this a thing. And um, I haven't really done as much with it lately as I would like to because of COVID and like buying a house and working two jobs and all of the projects I have. But um, the idea basically is to do a, um, just a series of videos. Um, So I've set up a YouTube channel where I talk to um, women, not necessarily cis women. That's a really important thing to me. If you want to talk about those kind of politics, I'm more than happy to, but um, yeah, basically it's for, um, I guess, female identifying people who love beer to just drink beer together and talk about beer basically like what beers you like why you like it what else is going on in your life and I think um, I'd like to challenge the 
perception of women who like beer because I think um, a lot of people have this idea of women who are really into beer as being quite um, quite rough or um, super bogan or, yeah, I just think the perception needs to change and I think women have really important things to say and they have really valid opinions and they're doing really awesome things. Like there are some amazing women brewers and like reviewers and, yeah, I just want to kind of like – chat with a lot of people like that and like learn from them and put lots of different ideas out there and see what happens basically and I think I might be able to guess the answer to this but can you tell us why is it important to have a space where women can talk about beer in this way um I don't think we're necessarily taken that seriously so far um, and that I think is more so just like a, a history thing. Um, beer has always been the man's drink. And I think, um, yeah, I think I'd like, it's important to have a space where women can talk about this and, um, not feel like men are judging them or like butting in I guess and I don't I don't mean to sound um like negative against men I think it's just like it's just kind of like traditions and like any other tradition it's habits and whatnot but yeah I think uh I just think it's important that we can all come together and support each other and talk about things and have people listen and validate our opinions yeah I think um something that has struck me over the last few years um, I suppose particularly coming over from the UK and coming to Australia is how effective the um, masculinity of beer has been in Australia in advertising mm. in culture oh, for sure uh, is mm-hmm. is probably uh, a lot more than it it is in the UK and that was yeah that was kind of interesting to me but then the other thing was about how uh, and I think this is probably the the bit of of it that scares me most is that because the places that I go to to have recreation the places I drink at they're made for me they're made for me Uh, I Mm. am a white man approaching middle age this is this is could not be more my domain and because of that yeah (laughs) yeah because of that I feel no adversity in in walking into a craft beer venue being able to boss the list of 30 beers um i do not feel out of place at all and my fear is that i would i would never be able to understand why somebody else who isn't me walks into one, uh, one of those places and feels intimidated or feels insecure yeah. or feels unwelcome and all of those other things um that you know i'm probably only beginning to appreciate because i haven't suffered any adversity i just can't understand anybody else's and i think that's something that has been a bit of a journey for myself to try to understand my own kind of and be awareness um yeah yeah because a lot of people might say well you know why don't you just talk why does it have to be just women and people i identify as women talking why why can't i join in 
know? You can if you want to, if you're respectful. That's the thing. Like, um, yeah, I don't want to exclude anyone um, with this. And I think, yeah, uh, yeah, it's – I. how do I describe this? I mean, yeah, like you said, there there are a lot of spaces for you where you're comfortable and you're not intimidated. And I think not necessarily just in going to a a place where they have a ton of craft beers and wanting something. Um, In almost every aspect of a woman's life, there there are standards that people expect of us or there are like preconceived notions of what we should like or how we should behave. And I think having this kind of thing where we can have open discussions just allows people to see that there are more to women, I guess. There's just more to women than the traditional roles that are quite, um, they're still quite, um, they still exist a lot in Australia. Um, We, I think in Australia, we like to think that we're progressive, but we're, we're still a very traditional country and we're a young country. So I, I think there's not, a, there's a lot of room for improvement and we're definitely heading in the right direction, but I think, yeah, there's still, there's still some work to do. And that's why I would like to do this cans before man's thing. Well, it, it's, it's fantastic um, idea and I'll certainly give it as much support as I can. I think one of my experiences that, um, you know, it's typical, isn't it, that I would say I am a man of privilege and then just talk about my experience. <laughs> no, but not at all. <laughs> this One of my experiences that I think brought this home to me was I go to a regular uh, beer appreciation group and they have guest brewers come on and talk about the beers. And this particular night, it was the busiest night it had ever been. It was the Pink Boots Society, ah, cool. um, who I'm sure you're aware yes. of, for to support women in the brewing industry. Mm-hmm. You know, it's come over from the US. And um, it was really interesting to me that a lot of the men who were in the room got so nervous and so um, uneasy <laughs> about this. I, I was bowled over by how big an impact it had and I was so that night when I went home all the way home I could could not stop thinking about why that was mm. like why what what difference is it if and there was a lot of females in attendance and the panel was female and the host was female and it was it, I, I had such a good time except for this <laughs> thing of just kind of thinking it over in my mind why people would be so threatened by it or uh feel strange about this and i i, I suppose one of the reasons is it it's it was such an exception yeah, is that it yeah. just didn't doesn't happen and it, very often it challenges people's ideas and i think when people are challenged there's uh there's like a few reactions that happen more frequently one is fear and that usually comes out in aggression or um yeah they some people just don't know how to react either I think um being challenged is it's great but it's hard for some people to process yeah and I think also being in craft beer 
we are here to be challenged. We want our palates oh, yeah. challenged. <laughs> we want to have the sunny boy sour that makes us go. Yeah, oh. <laughs> I, don't know yeah. I mean, the whole idea is to push boundaries, right? Yeah. And sure, we do want reassurance uh, sometimes <laughs> and go back to our old favorites or the occasional pint of Guinness yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> but it's... Um, but it is that journey. So hopefully, you know, certainly in craft beer, my hope would be that we can be open to, to beer. So we should be open to lots of other aspects and, yeah, yeah. and be as welcoming mm-hmm. as we can. Um, but here we go. Uh, choice four. Choice four is the Jalisco Sour by Wolf of the Willows. Did you try that? Yes. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. I bought I bought one can of it and went back to buy a four pack and there was only one can left. I literally brought <laughs> so every just, single one in Newcastle, like every single one. It's so good. And um, when I so I go to Mexico quite a bit, um, and do a little work there, and I've got a lot of friends there, and I always go to Jalisco, and I love tequila. Like tequila is my shit. Um, so this was just like it was just like all of my favorite things put into one beer it was so delicious like it was just so smoky and it was a little sour and you get like that roasted pineapple flavor it was one of the best things i've ever put in my mouth i found again we use the word delicate for the southwest sour Mm. but i found this beer to be so subtle and the flavors kind of would come at you Mm -hmm. in installments yeah that's it 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 wasn't necessarily just a big hit it was like oh what's this and then it would kind of unload Mm -hmm. the different characteristics which is quite rare in a it really is every time you took another sip you got like a different flavor and i thought it was just so well made and um yeah i'm sad that it doesn't exist anymore i'm like legitimately sad i drank every single one that there was in newcastle (laughs) I saved them for as long as I could as well. Like I had one in my fridge for a month and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't drink it because I can't get any more. But at the same time, you just got to enjoy it while you can. (laughs) Stairs to be drunk, yeah. And um, I know they were due to open the Wolf of the Willows um, tap room in Mordialic just at the start of COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, So best of luck to Scotty to try and open that. Um, Hopefully before christmas i hope and uh maybe we can lean on him put a bit of pressure on to to bring that beer oh i think that they might have some similar things in the pipeline i do have um i do talk to the uh one of their reps quite a bit he came up to newcastle and saw me and um yeah i think they might be doing something quite quite cool soon excellent well Hopefully this doesn't come out before they do it and I'm just like ruined everything for them. <laughs> Look, saying something's in the pipeline <laughs> of a Melbourne brewery. Well, I mean, is, yeah, I mean, something's you know. always in the pipeline. Okay, good. Um, Hopefully something have... with tequila. Well, I'm happy that, yeah, I'm happy that they've kept their relationship with Lark, the Tasmanian distiller, uh, whiskey maker. Yeah. Um, because mm-hmm. that those um, Johnny Smoke Porters that have been coming out They've been in the lark barrels have just been getting better and better. So, um, and tell tell me about tequila. I know very little about tequila, oh, so hit I me with it. it. Hit me with a few. Uh, it is my thing. What I want is some is some tips. What to look out for if I'm buying tequila, and maybe some 
uh, give me some names of good tequilas. I will. Um, do not buy anything that has a hat on it. That is a number one rule of tequila. Do not buy anything with a hat on it. <laughs> See, that is where I've been going wrong. <laughs> that is, yeah. Every time I talk to tequila, like I talk to people about tequila, they're always like, oh, I can't drink that anymore. I had a really bad night. I'm like, is it because you drank the hat tequila? And it's guaranteed every time someone says, I can't drink tequila anymore, it's because they had the hat tequila. What about what about if it's got a guitar on the on the label? Is a guitar on the label okay? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think I've drunk any tequila with guitar on the label. Um, yeah, no, don't don't get the hat tequila. Um, generally, I do not drink anything that is less than about a hundred dollars a bottle. Like with tequila, you gotta you gotta fork out for the good stuff. Like, if you're going to drink a nice scotch, like, you pay for a really nice scotch, right? And it's the same with tequila. You should be able to sip it um, if you need salt and lime. It's probably a really shit tequila. Um, yeah, it's really good. I, yeah, I've spent quite a bit of time in Mexico. I've been to a lot of uh, tequilerias and I've tried a whole lot of things. And I think, I mean... If you want to have a really good sipping tequila, uh, you should try and get a hold of the Five Year Añejo made by Tequila Tristan. Um, you can only order it online from their distributor here. But it's – so Añejo is like the darker tequila. It's aged longer. But this specific one, they age for five years in a whiskey barrel and it has the most delicious depth of flavor and it's so easy to drink and so smooth. Um, so – if you want to really like spend up big, definitely get that. Another really good one is Fortaleza. I think you can get it at Dan Murphy's. It's still expensive, but it's also very, very easy to drink. Um, you, just, you should just sip it. And there's also, um, it's also, I learned a breathing technique from a guy called uh, Juan Carlos when I was in Mexico once. And it's like a way to like get all of the flavor of tequila. It's like tequila yoga, I guess. You do like a certain amount of breaths through your nose, out through your mouth. Yeah, it's like a really good thing. Um, we, that would have to be a video. I don't think it would translate well in a podcast. But, yeah, um, you could probably YouTube the right way to, to drink tequila, I think. But, yeah, I would – tequila Tristan, Fortaleza, for sure, definitely. If you're going to have margaritas, you could put anything in it. You probably get a heinous hangover, but you could you probably you know put enough like salt and lime and triple sec in there, and you won't taste how shit the tequila is. That sounds amazing because I would love to learn more about tequila, mainly because of those kind of smoky flavors and the the depth. Mm. But also, I think yeah. it's just the characteristic. You know, sometimes uh, whiskey, like sometimes I really feel like a whiskey but then sometimes mm -hmm. it's just too much like a delicious house fire and like a need yeah yeah something else um generally mezcal is the one that you'll get that smoky flavor from so uh tequila is 100% blue agave um so you can get blue and green agave and the green is what they make mezcal and like moonshine recio that's the green agave nice it's also kind of like champagne like if it's not from Jalisco it's not tequila I'm going to research tequila. I probably won't buy any for uh, 
three years, but I, I will <laughs> I will save up and avoid the temptation to buy anything with a with a hat on. When you do buy some, you have to video me, and I'll teach you how to do the breathing technique and excellent drink it um, properly. I was also thinking, like you know, that's one thing Scotland has avoided is putting like a a ginger hat tartan hat on the top of whiskey. <laughs> it's like you could put like a kilt around it or something yeah yeah, yeah. they've never succumbed to that that all their bottles even the cheap ones look fine <laughs> something about yeah. the holiday vibe of uh, scotland is definitely not a holiday vibe place um so despite having amazing beaches but um choice five um choice five is the hawks patio pale um, and I think it's quite uh, – I, I like it for similar reasons to the Kaiju Crush. Like it's really easy to drink. It's fruity, also light and crisp. And I really like the brewery and the guys that own it are amazing and they have really, really good morals. And, yeah, I've I've got like a little project coming up with them, which I'm really excited about. And they've always been super receptive to a lot of ideas that I've had which is awesome, but at the end of the day, they make a really delicious beer and uh, they um, are in partnership with Landcare. So if you buy Hawks beer, you are contributing to a really good cause, which is super important. These are the Hawks cans with Bob Hawk on the front. So Yeah, yeah. So they have the rights to use his image. And I was talking to Nathan, the owner of Hawks, and when they were negotiating all of that stuff with Bob Hawke, uh, rather than pay Bob Hawke to use his um, likeliness and pay royalties and stuff, all of the money that would go to Bob Hawke or his estate now goes to Landcare, which I think is fucking awesome. It's really cool. That is amazing. Because um, yeah. Bob Hawke is, he downed the yard of ale. Is that In 11 seconds, yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> Which in itself is stupid and remarkable, um, but I think and he, awesome <laughs> and awesome as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, drink responsibly, but uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but Bob Hawke, um, I believe he gave up alcohol when he was prime minister. So for the the whole time he was prime minister, he he gave up drinking. Um, really, but I, I believe so that he. Uh, kind of really eased certainly you really uh toned things down um i might be misremembering i mean he was uh, running a country so i guess that makes sense yes he was probably one of the best prime ministers we had like medicare land care like there's a lot of things happening now that like we have bob hawk to thank for and also just a gnarly dude just a really rad gnarly dude he reminds me of like everyone's pop yeah, he was. Was it Bob Hawke as well? I'm just, all these memories are coming back to me, which aren't really memories for me because I didn't grow up in Australia. <laughs> but, <laughs> and I don't know why I know these things. But was it Bob Hawke who, uh, after the, was it the America's Cup, uh, where he said, uh, anyone who sacks anyone who doesn't show up tomorrow is a bum? <laughs> yes, that was, that was definitely him. And he said that while wearing the, uh, the like suit jacket made of like Australian flags. Um, Hawks just released a t-shirt with that on it. It was awesome. It's like, yeah, it's, they just released an America's Cup t-shirt, which is 
so cool. I think I probably will get one. Bob Hawk, the image that they use on the uh, Hawks Brewing website of Bob Hawk is just so um, brilliant. It's just so such a yeah. He just seems like such a warm, friendly, affable older man. It's, it's so nice. like everyone's pop. <laughs> yeah, like the, the grand grandfather you wish you had. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but no, uh, that's a lovely story. I'm looking forward to. Uh, you'll have to keep us up, up to date with uh, the project with Hawks as well. And yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. This is something I've been thinking about as well in uh, probably in lockdown is and maybe I'll put this out on uh, on the social media just to see what people feel about this. But what I wanted to ask was the question uh, I want to ask people the question about whether um, you mentioned the morals being really good of these uh, people who Mm -hmm. run Hawks. Um, Like I wonder how important is to most people if they chime with the political or the outlook of a who's brewing the beer i wonder what percentage of people will stop buying beer if they see a erroneous social media post from a brewery or whether they will just f- forget about it and just say oh well it's beer's beer and oh, I, like, yeah. I don't care I'm, i might put that out on the socials and see what response i get yeah i'd love um, to know that as well because yeah i yeah i personally it means a lot to me and especially when uh when covid hit and breweries were really feeling it like i made a conscious effort to only buy from independent breweries and support those guys rather than buy um from like big multinational companies um and i yeah i try to buy beers by made by female brewers like two birds um yeah it's important to me for sure so Hopefully other people have some kind of awareness of that. Yeah, no, I'm exactly the same. I've definitely stopped drinking beers or buying beers from certain breweries because I I don't chime. You know, I suppose it's one of those, Mm. when you've got choice, if there's something a little bit off about what you're looking to buy, then why not buy something else? Um, That's it. I like to put my money where my beliefs are. Yes. Church. No. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you laughed at that. That could have went horribly wrong. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. I get it. I got it. <laughs> um, choice six. Choice six is the Moondog Splice of Heaven, specifically the pine lime flavor. It tastes exactly like a splice, which is... Um, did you have you had a splice when when did you move to australia yeah so i've never had a splice i know we in the uk would call them splits <laughs> so the so you'd get uh, like a strawberry right. split Not okay and that's got like the creamy ice cream in the middle and then the like the icy watery flavor yeah. on it yeah. yeah okay yeah it's probably the same yeah yep yeah. um so i spent my entire childhood eating splice ice blocks and um I think it was last summer I tried the Splice of Heaven and I it's the first time I think I had a beer with lactose in it. So it's like a – it's an IPA um, and it is – yeah, it's like creamy and like fruity at the same time. It's so fucking delicious, so good. 
Um, and I think they might only release it every now and then because I got it and then I couldn't get it again. And then I went to Moondog World when I was in Melbourne last and I was like, oh, Splice of Heaven. And it was the raspberry flavor, which is still good, but not the flavor that I prefer. Um, but they just, yeah, I saw it on their social media that they just made some more. So I ordered some from their website and got it delivered to my house and I have drunk it all already and I'm kind of sad now. <laughs> but I was a little weary of like lactose in beer because I'd never heard of that before. Um, I probably had drunk it but not paid attention. But yeah, I, I saw that and I was like, hmm, this will be interesting. And it's just so, it works so well. And I have tried a bunch more since then, but this will always be my favorite. And I think Moondog makes some of the most interesting beers and Moondog World is like Disneyland to me. So <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. On that same note, um, three Ravens who are around the corner from Moondog World. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. I've had a bunch of their beers too. Yeah. So they uh, have done previously a, a pine and lime creamsicle beer, which is a three and a half percent sour uh, with lactose and wheat. I might have had that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah vanilla French oak chips. Um, that mm. is when you get that fresh. That is uh, exactly yeah. what it says on it as well, and that that mm-hmm. is such a. It's yeah. kind of strange that you. I never imagined we'd be at a stage where beer would make us reminisce about our childhood in a in a good way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That was the same. I recently had the. Um, it was like Ogden Nash. It was a Moon Dog one. I don't remember the exact name, but it was basically like a red skin beer. I had that and I was like, wow, this is exactly like a red skin. And I like, I poured it over some vanilla ice cream and had like a, like a spider with it. And it was amazing. So good. They're just like, I'm like Moondog blow my mind with the beers that they come up with. And also I've had quite a few, uh, three Ravens and they are super creative with their beers, which is awesome. Like I want to be like shocked being like, I would, every time I go and get beers, I'm like, I want to be like, oh, how will that work? Like, I like to be kind of like surprised and impressed with creativity, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it is a, such a good time to be a consumer and so exciting that we've got so many skilled brewers out there who are mm-hmm. willing to yeah. um, try all of these things. And tell us a, a beer snack to go with these and a receptacle to drink them out of. <laughs> I always just go straight from the can. You never pour it out. Um, <laughs> unless it's unless it's into a bowl of ice cream. <laughs> unless it's into a bowl of ice cream. No, I mostly just drink from the can. I don't know if that's like proper of me. That's what I do. Look, that's um, that's exciting to me that you drink straight out of the can. First off, because it, it is a, a, a youthful thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> but also... I'm not youthful. <laughs> you're more youthful than I am. So it, it is, it's a, yeah, it's it's just such an immediate thing. There's something really nice about just cracking a beer and drinking straight from the can without, That's, yeah. you know, do not pass go straight in there. There's something really great about that. That's a story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is a story of my life. I've recently just got diagnosed with ADHD at 33 years old, and there are just so many things now that make sense to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, immediate reward. 
that's me for sure <laughs> well this is what you've got to look forward to is that you you've got a world like what you need to do is go to uh the op shop and have a look that's the best place to buy glassware and just see mm. what interesting stuff and if there's nothing that takes your fancy don't buy anything but keep going in there every once every <laughs> six months there will be a a, a something in there that you think yeah i've got a drink out of that it might be an old shoe yeah. it might be a pilsner glass <laughs> it might be a chalice um but that's that's exciting because you've got all of that all of that ahead of you um yeah maybe i should get cultured it might be a nice like housewarming present to myself to buy some actual beer glasses yeah i part of me thinks like you know beer glasses are overrated like uh in so many respects i think though the best beer glasses that i have are just the sentimental ones that i've i did buy yeah. from an op shop or like took with me when i moved house or but i i do really enjoy the theater of pouring out a beer or a nitro beer particularly um, mm. oh yeah nitro beers on. i will always pour obviously yeah, just kind of yeah it's there's something really uh really fun about it but drinking out of the candles safe on washing up so you you're actually winning uh in that so is exactly many, right so many and i also have a tendency to break a lot of things i'm quite clumsy so <laughs> the i i may have had glasses at one stage but they are all broken now so it's yeah. from the can that is why you should buy a glassware from an op shop because it doesn't matter true a dollar Very or two true. then you know nobody's crying so um you buy a riddell for uh thirty dollars and you are crying <laughs> spiegel owl or something i will uh, break it guarantee yeah. i will break it yeah they're so delicate and so uh, anyway um and a <laughs> snack to go with the beers a snack um i don't usually eat so much when i'm drinking it's when i get home uh, that I'm like, oh, I forgot to eat. I better order 40 chicken nuggets from McDonald's <laughs> on Uber Eats. <laughs> well, that, your answer is nothing. It's technically only one other guest has said nothing. And I respect. Yeah. I respect that. It's I respect nothing. that. Them. It's nothing until I'm like, oh my God, yeah. I need to eat. I need to sober up and go to work tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, you should eat before. I, I'm not a big fan fan of eating during even though i made this podcast and put that question in um the other person was grum from the the brewer from exit uh brewing who uh mm. yeah just said i don't eat snacks with beer and i am mm. fully on board with that so um good answer <laughs> i'll cut the bit about the nuggets it- out <laughs> <laughs> now it's always like a last minute like oh um yeah (laughs) yeah uber eats is never a plan it should never be a plan Mm, um no (laughs) how can people help support what you want to do with cans before mans how should they do that i guess the best way is probably just to follow me on instagram and send me a dm and i am always willing to have a beer and a chat with anyone um and if people are open to letting me video it and put it on the instawebs yeah that's that's basically it like i just want to talk to a bunch of different people about a bunch of different things and beer as well uh so that would be the best way to get in contact with me or to 
I guess, support the ideas. Um, I do sell shirts and stuff like that, but that's not really what it's about. Um, I'm more, I I think I place more emphasis on like making connections and having beers and chats and good times and making friends. I love the lapel pins and the holographic stickers. And I was very impressed to see uh, Star of Rosehaven and one of the best stand-up comedians of the last 20 years in Australia, Celia Pecola, wearing your merch. Oh, my God. I love her so much. That was such an amazing, random thing. I had had quite a couple of beers and uh, was watching Rosehaven, and I was like, I feel like Celia Pecola and I should be friends. So I (laughs) drunkenly sent her a DM on Instagram just being like, hey, I think we should be friends. We'd get along really well. Um, and I forgot that I sent it. And then the next night I was at work uh, driving a forklift and I got a message back from her being like, you know, I get quite a few messages like this, but I looked at your Instagram and I think we would get along really well. And I was like, <laughs> my mind is blown. Celia Picola wrote back to me. Like, what the hell? And then like another couple of minutes later, I saw that she ordered a couple of shirts from me. And I'm like, this is probably the coolest thing that's ever happened to me. Um, and then from there once she posted things like it it blew up yeah it was crazy it was really cool um I owe her quite a bit and she's like she's so lovely like every time I message her to say thanks she's like oh you don't need to thank me it's all good I'm like ah you have no idea how fucking cool this is for me like this is amazing you're like have always been one of my favorite comedians it's awesome it's so fucking cool yeah Celia's great uh I've watched Celia do stand-up for many years and yeah i started watching rosehaven when it came out and i it just didn't get me in lockdown yeah, i watched right. i watched the four series back to back and absolutely loved it <laughs> it's like oh, i don't know whether it's it. something to do with the escapism that i needed in lockdown tasmania the setting the calmness the fun everything about it i, I really love loved. It. so um yeah that was amazing uh so thanks Celia. I actually yeah. was in the local oh, Yeah, exactly. Thanks, I was Celia. in the local tap house on um on a comedy night there. They have I think it's the longest running uh consistently running comedy night in Australia on Monday night at the local tap house in St Kilda. Um and Celia wasn't on. I got quite excited cuz I saw Celia in the room and but she didn't get up on stage. But I I ended up standing next to her at the bar and she ordered a beer but she said can I have a beer and the guy's like we've got a lot of beer what type of things you want and she went I just want one that doesn't taste the flowers (laughs) so so so, yeah exactly fair enough uh so I think she had a a a Truma Pilsner uh which I'm sure was very nice (laughs) so that was that was years ago so maybe she does like flowery beers now but um i actually sent her some beers to say thank you and i think most of them were probably flowery (laughs) well she bought your merch (laughs) with flowers and beer on so more full that's true i'm sure sure she'll have enough friends to drink them if uh she doesn't enjoy them herself but um no, that's, that's, that's an awesome story. <laughs> Thank you so much, Melanie. It's been so much fun. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. and Yeah, me too. Thanks so much. No worries. Thank you so much.
So that was it. Melanie Mitchell from Cans Before Mans. Do check out Melanie's Instagram page. It's fantastic. I have no tattoos. It is a world alien to me. But I did really enjoy looking through Melanie's Insta because it's just brilliant artwork. And also I feel people who do get tattoos are strangely uh, brave and probably a bit crazy. But the artwork is so wonderful and so well executed and so many crossovers, as you heard, with the craft beer community. I hope Melanie is able in the future to spend even more time dedicated to beer and the beer conversation, the beer community, because I think, as you heard, it would be a very welcome voice. Now, more about you. I hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for listening again. And if you enjoyed this episode, share it with your friends. Um, I only make about 12 episodes a year, uh, so please do share them. If you do have the time and kind heart, you can leave a review wherever you get your podcast. That'd be really nice. I don't think I've had one on there for a while, so I'll definitely read it out if you are kind enough to leave a review and please do send me an email as well thechosenbrewau at gmail.com or get in touch via the chosen brew website which is www. <laughs> I haven't said that for a while thechosenbrewau.com simple as that it's in the show notes love to hear from you um and so glad that lots of Australia is opening up at the time of recording. Obviously, in Victoria, we're still in a state of lockdown, but heading in the right direction. Really hope that you are keeping safe, and I hope to have a pint with you in real life soon. In the meantime, I am doing a live YouTube stream on the Beer Together channel which was started up by Luke Robertson from Ale of a Time and James Smith from The Crafty Pint. Uh, it is with my good friend and previous guest on the show, Nick Capper, uh, who's a comedian who had all his work wiped out this year. And so we've been doing a live stream called Have a Beer Guest a Year. It's so much fun, really nice beer community built up around it. And we have done over 20 weeks consecutively of this show where one of us fires lots of facts and events from a particular year in the past and by the end of the episode the other person has to guess what year that was so you can play at home uh it is live uh half eight on thursday night the link's in the show notes again but you can play along live jump into the chat get on there on you know 20 past eight on a thursday night there'll already be people chatting away in the live stream uh using the text box there so please do join us and we have lots of fun and talking of many many consecutive episodes my other podcast the wheel of sport we're coming up to almost two years of consecutive episodes i've made over 50 of them with my good friend matt lavery who is now based in edinburgh 
but we're still making these episodes and bringing great content. The last episode uh, was on John Daly, the golfer who won two majors. Amazing story. Uh, we also have done ones on Scott of the Antarctic, uh, Alan Wells, the Scottish sprinter, Bert Troutman, the goalkeeper who broke his neck in an FA Cup final and carried on playing with a wobbly head. We've done ones on <laughs> the football casual fashion movement in soccer ball, uh, Australia, New Zealand's netball Commonwealth final, Nikki Lauder, Euro 92, the first modern Olympics, history of the bicycle, the miracle mile, Roger Bannister, one on L.W. Wright who drove in NASCAR, walked off the track and was never seen again. We've done one on a modern pentathlon who cheated at fencing. Uh, his name was Onishchenko, which is almost, almost there. We did one on the Rumble in the Jungle, the Busby Babes, British athlete Derek Redmond's the fastest 147 in snooker history. Even the New South Wales Rugby League Grand Final of 1909. We even made an episode on tobacco money in Formula One, which was with our friend Paul Benson from the Financial Autonomy podcast. So we had an accountant on to do that show. That is well worth a listen. Uh, it was an hour-long super episode. Um, the Oxford-Cambridge boat race of 1887. I mean, come on, topical. Uh, we've got so many. Stephen Bradbury, Tonya Harding, KB Switzer, and one of the fans' favourites was our episode on Cliff Young the gumboot runner who ran from Westfield in Sydney all the way to the Westfield in Doncaster in Melbourne and beat everyone by about five days because he didn't sleep. So amazing stories there. We tried to keep that podcast to half an hour long. So perfect if you're making a commute and hopefully lots of you uh, across Australia are doing that already but many of you in Victoria will be doing that shortly. Uh, but great for go on a jog or something to listen uh, to a half-hour story where we pack so much information in there. Uh, it's very, very well-researched. So please do listen to that and do share that and review it. Uh, that would be all very nice. Oh my goodness, that's a lot of uh, spruiking uh, things. But I don't feel bad about it because it's free. So if you don't want to listen to it, I'm not selling you anything. I'm not, I don't want anything back from it. Maybe just a review or a kind message would be fine. So I'm quite exhausted after all that. Thanks so much for listening. Take care of yourself and I'll speak to you soon.